Well, we're ending our study in the book of Philemon. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in verses 18 and 19 this morning. And this is the end and the conclusion of our study in the book of Philemon. The title of our study this morning is The Glorious Exchange. The Glorious Exchange. If you would, direct your attention to verse 18 and verse 19 of the book of Philemon, the little letter, I'm sorry, of Philemon. It's not really a book, it's a letter written by the hand of Paul to a man by the name of Philemon. Very relational, very personal book. Very personal letter. Very heartfelt letter written by Paul as he's imprisoned for the faith. We've learned a lot about relationships over these studies. This morning is going to be a little different because there's such symbolism in this letter that we can't not focus on Sort of the underlying message of Philemon. Verse number 18. Paul writing to Philemon, If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. You know, it would do well for you to underline these next four words. I will repay it. Just say nothing of you owing me, even your own self. The glorious exchange. Jesus wants to do three things in your life this Christmas. Number one. Jesus wants to radically change your life. The letter says in verse 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment, formerly he was useless to you. But now, He is indeed useful to you and to me. We all, in a sense, are like Onesimus. Our lives desperately scream for change. Like Onesimus, we were slaves to sin. Enslaved to ourselves and enslaved to powers that were outside of ourselves. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 34, And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So despite feeling like we can live our lives any way we want to, We are never more enslaved by the passions and the desires and the 
lusts and the wants and the whims and the pleasures and the, the thinking and the attitudes and our own behaviors. Onesimus had robbed Philemon of what didn't belong to him but rightly belonged to Philemon. And we also have robbed God of what belongs to him and does not belong to us and that is honor and glory. Dishonoring God by the life that I live. Never coming to an end of myself Never wanting to live for something greater than myself. Never finding real happiness in what brings satisfaction. And so I find myself failing at life miserably. Going opposite of God, running as fast and as far as I can away from God and ultimately my purpose for existing. The prophet Isaiah said, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. And Isaiah goes on further to say in chapter 43, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. And so I'm failing at life miserably. I don't bring glory to God. I don't praise Him. But in my desperation of getting away from God and getting away from myself, could I be running right into the loving arms of Jesus? In verses 10 and 11, Onesimus has a life-altering encounter. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, Paul said, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is useful to you and to me. Onesimus means profitable or useful. But one wrong decision in Onesimus' life And now he finds himself running away from God, running away from himself, running away from his past, running away from his mistakes, his failures, his weaknesses, reminders, trying to hide, trying to disappear in whatever he can kind of cover his life with, whatever that looks like. And if he stops, he has to deal with reality. The thoughts and and the voices and admitting and confessing and the guilt and the shame. and, And I have to surrender and I have to give it all to Jesus if I stop. You know, God has a way of putting the right people in your life to make a difference. Onesimus runs right into Paul. Paul sees something in this slave that is hopeful, is positive, and he wins Onesimus to Christ. Paul takes Onesimus to the cross, and and at the cross, Onesimus gives his life and his heart to Jesus. Onesimus is turned around by the power of the Gospels. Two things happened to Onesimus, and I want you to note this. Number one, Jesus changed what Onesimus was. He was formerly useless, but now he is useful. But not only that, Jesus changed who Onesimus was. In verse 16, he's no longer but more. He's no longer a bond slave, but now he's a brother. 
He changes what he is, but changes who he is. A useless individual, but now he's useful. A bondservant, but now a brother. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus makes something beautiful out of our lives. He changes what I am, but He changes who I am. The good news is Jesus came to set me free from myself. He came to set you free from yourself. He came to set you free from everything that is imprisoning you. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Free to know God. Free to honor God. Free to glorify God. Free to praise God. Free to live for something greater and outside of myself. Something bigger than me. God, Jesus wants to change my life this Christmas. Number two, three things Jesus wants to do. For me this Christmas, number two, Jesus wants to reroute the course of my life. I want you to note in verse 12, I am sending Him back to you, sending my heart. I want you to notice verse 15. For this perhaps is why He was parted from you for a while, that you might have Him back forever. No longer as a bond. See, I'm so thankful this morning that I am a no longer... I'm no longer this. I want you to note verse 16. I hope you're looking at your Bibles. There's some interesting words here that Paul uses. Verse 10, he said, I'm appealing to you. In verse 11, formerly he was this, but now he's this. And then he says in verse number 16, no longer is he this, but more than a bondservant. He's a beloved brother, especially to me, but much more to you. You see, I want you to know something this morning. Jesus will take, my friend, what you no longer are and make you so much more. And if you never let Him do away with your no longers and do something about your much mores, then you don't know what God, what Christmas is really about. Formerly I was this, but now I'm this. I'm no longer this, but more I'm this now. Jesus wants to change the course of your life. I want you to know that sin divides. And this is never more truer than in the story of Philemon and Onesimus. And so the greatest division that you and I have ever encountered or that has ever occurred is how we have been separated from God by sin. Things were not right between Philemon and Onesimus. And I want you to realize this morning, things are not right between us and God. Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is what the Bible calls enmity. There is this hostility and this anger that is existing between God and I. And we are not where we need to be. Psalm chapter 7 says God is angry with the wicked every day. But here's what's amazing about God. Here's what's wonderful and awesome about God. Here's something that is perplexing and confusing though about God. God seeks to reconcile the very person He's angry with every day. God chases and goes after me. I'm the very one that He's angry with. You're the very one He's angry with. There's no, there's, listen, there's something wrong between God and I, and it is God who is pursuing me. And I am running away from God. 
And God's running after me. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, that is in Christ God, reconciling the world to himself. Listen, thank God for this. Not counting their trespasses against them. For by grace have you been saved. That not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It is God making the move. It is God initiating. It is God pursuing. It is God loving. It is God gracing us and favoring us. It is God reconciling us. God in His anger is still chasing me. Now here's what's amazing about this. Jesus really helps out here. Because Jesus now becomes the voice of reason before God and me. Between God and me. You say, what do you mean? I want you to note in verse 15 what Paul says. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. Especially to me, but how much more to both you and me. Look what he says here in the flesh. and in the, Look at verse 17. I want you to note what he says here because I want you to get this. Look at me. Jesus has to become the voice of reason between God and myself. There is this hostility that exists. God is reconciling me, chasing me, going after me, loving me, drawing me, calling me. But there has to be a mediator. There has to be a go-between. Somebody's got to make sense of this. Somebody's got to be that voice for this. Look what Paul said in verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, don't miss this. Receive him as you would receive me. Now, he said in verse 16, no longer, that's what keeps me from God. What I formerly was, that's what keeps me from God. But more, much more, I'm not who I used to be, but this is who I am in Christ. And Paul said, if you consider me anything, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. This is what we call as the doctrine of substitution. God receives me as He receives Christ. You see, my friend, what you need to understand is Paul saying this, Philemon, when you see Onesimus, you're seeing me. Man, when God sees me, He sees Jesus. God receives me like He does His own Son. Being so identified with Christ that God would receive me as Christ. To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Verse 17, if you want to read this in the original, receive means to receive into the family circle. He said, listen Philemon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to receive Onesimus like he's part of your family. You see, my friend, we live in a day and age when men and women deal with rejection. They are outcasts. They don't feel like they're wanted. They try to plug themselves in everywhere they can to feel like they have a sense of belonging. Can I say something to you this morning? If you're sitting in this church and you feel like you don't fit in, there is a God in heaven who receives you. And He accepts you like He does His own Son. He welcomes you into the family of God. 
Amen. Yes, church. Yes, church. The good news is that God receives runaway sinners like He does His own Son, Jesus. God loves and accepts me as Jesus. Did you notice what Paul said? I'm sending you like I'm sending you my own heart. Jesus wants to change the course of your life. Jesus wants to radically change your life. But here's the heart of the message. Number three, three things Jesus wants to do for you this Christmas. Jesus wants to render your debt before God canceled. This is the, this is the heart of Philemon, loved ones. Look at verse 18. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, as the old King James says, put that on my account. Charge that to me, Paul, Philemon. Jesus wants to radically change you. Jesus wants to, my friend, reroute the course of your life. And Jesus wants to do what? He wants to render your debt clean before God. Now, God is a God of second chances. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you something, church. How many of you in here are a recipient of a God of a second chance? I want to see your hand. God is a God of second chances. Philemon is a book of second chances. Your Bible is full of men and women of second chances. God is a God of second chances. And third, and fourth, and fifth. He's a God who is long-suffering and is patient with you and I. No one knew about second chances more than Onesimus. By all rights, I want you to get this. Onesimus going back to Philemon. By all rights, Onesimus should be walking the green mile. To his own death. By Roman law, he should die. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Onesimus owed a debt to Philemon, but here's what you need to understand Onesimus had nothing. He could not pay what he owed. He was a slave with nothing but in his hand was an IOU from Paul. And Paul said, listen, whatever he owes you, if he has sinned against you, you put that on my account. Onesimus had nothing. All he had was a promise. That's all he had. He had an IOU from Paul that said what? In my hand, I have this promise. This was a glorious exchange. Now, I want you to know something. A lot of you may not be familiar, but one of the great reformers by the name of Martin Luther, when talking about the doctrine of substitution, he called it, as he tried to define it, the glorious exchange. The glorious exchange. 
This doctrine of imputation. What is that? What is the glorious exchange? What is happening here? Let me tell you something. You don't want to miss this because this has you written all over it. What is ours becoming Christ's? What is Christ's becoming ours? That is the great exchange. Everything that Jesus is, I get, and everything I was, was put on Him. If He owes you anything, and if if He's wronged you in any way, put that on my account. And you receive Him like it's me walking through the door. I get everything Jesus is. Jesus got everything I was. The glorious exchange. Paul said it this way. He made Him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. When Jesus died, our sins were put to His account. He was treated the way I should have been treated. And we were treated in a way we didn't deserve. Trusting Jesus, His righteousness was put to me. And God accepts me as righteous. He justified me. He wiped my slate clean like I've never sinned. I'm not guilty. He put all that guilt on Christ. He put all that sin on Jesus. And so what was mine became Christ. And what was Christ became mine. It's a glorious exchange. Put that on my account. Jesus wants to render the debt canceled. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present so that he might be a just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Justice seeks payment. I want you to know something. Sin is stacking against you. But we have nothing. We are nothing. We have nothing to give. But all we've got is an IOU from Jesus that says, put that on my account. Jesus says that. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us by his legal demands, that he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Everything Jesus did from his birth to leaving this earth, he did it as our substitute. Every decision Jesus made, the temptations Jesus encountered, the trials, the suffering, the rejection, the ravages of a life in a fallen world, he endured pain, hurt, all for our substitute. He did it all for us. The only reason you and I can deal with what we deal with is because of our substitute. Everything Jesus was is ours. Everything we were put on him. The glorious exchange. I want you to know this morning that we will fail at life. Every one of us will fail at life. If you don't think you will, you are in a delusioned world. We all fail. We all make, listen, even though we are and we may be believers in Christ, we still make wrong decisions. But aren't you glad Jesus said, if he owes you anything, put that on my account. You see, Jesus dealt with two things. He paid the debt of my sin, but He took care of the failures that I live now. I am securing Christ. Are you? 
You say, I walked in here with a mound of debt stacked against me with God. I feel it, the weight of guilt and shame. Let me tell you something. Why would you carry that if Christ already took it? Why would you forfeit what Christ is to hang on to who you are? Why would you do that? Why would you not want to change? Why would you not want the course of your life to go in a different direction? Why would you not want to live for something greater than yourself? Man, don't you think it's time people start living for something outside of themselves? We've been created for glory and we fail miserably at that. Because what do we do? We want it all for ourselves. So what is the deeper message of Philemon? It's not only is the gospel the most important event in history, but it's the continued story of a process of change. The gospel cannot be confined to one event. Listen, we cannot focus the gospel on Christmas and Easter. Let me tell you why. Because we miss what is ours right now. So the deeper message of Philemon is this, that God is rewriting stories. (laughs) A runaway slave is now a returning brother. And he's rewriting this story. How many of you have have encountered God rewriting your story? And it's not a one-time event. It is an ongoing process. I've thought many times... In my walk with Christ, man, God must have a big eraser. Are you kidding me? Up there again. God doesn't make mistakes. God is rewriting our story. Maybe God's not started writing your story yet. Maybe your story began today and you walked into this church. You're like, I don't know why I'm doing here. It's Christmas Eve. Everybody goes to church at Christmas and Easter. That's just what people do. Right? But see, you don't realize that God's starting wanting to rewrite your story. He's wanting to change your life. He's wanting to redirect the course of your life. And he's wanting to cancel all the guilt you're feeling right now. Because you're reminded of it every day when you look yourself in the mirror. You're like, I know the kind of person I am. I hate the kind of person I am. I despise that person. Well, why don't you, why don't you give that to Jesus? He's already taken what you are. He wants to give you who he is. Amen? That's, what, that's the story. That's the gospel. I get so much more with him. Charles Spurgeon was preaching on heaven one day and preaching on Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said, greatest thing you can do is take a text and run as fast as you can to Jesus. And he was preaching on heaven and preaching on Jesus. And right in the middle of his sermon, I'm talking this man preached to 12,000. I mean, the, the numbers are astronomical, the people. And some woman stands up in the middle of, of his service and said, All this and Jesus too. Why would you not want that? Why would you not want that? Let me give you a takeaway and I'm done. Three things Jesus wants to do for you this Christmas. He wants to change you, change the course of your life, and cancel the debt that's against you. Here's a takeaway. This is for you. This is for you. Say it. This is for me. This is, some, this is for somebody. It's got to be. I've been praying for you all week. I've been praying for you all week. I woke up this morning at 3.30 praying, God, please, God, please, 
Somebody's going to be there that needs to know that God, you love them, you care for them, you're, you're running after them as they are running away from you. You know it's true. Think about the things we hide ourselves in. You know why? You want to hide from you and you want to hide from truth. The truth is you need a Savior. You need Jesus. He'll change your life forever. Let me give you the takeaway. Here it is. Number one, God is for you. God is for you. Don't you come up in here and say, hey, and I, God is for you. Listen, we wouldn't celebrate this season if God wasn't for you. Amen? Number two, God is for you so much that he gave Jesus to die for you. He was willing to give up everything heaven was about for you. I want you to think about that. Everything revolves in heaven around one person. And God said, I'm going to give that to you. God's for you. Number three, God is not finding fault with you. I want you to listen to me. God does not find fault with you. God is not sitting there saying, well, Scott's this and Scott's that and Scott's this and Scott's. No, God's not doing that. That was taken care of 2,000 years ago on the cross. Now God is justifying you. He's justifying you. You know what God is doing? He's giving you one of these right here. You see what that is right there? What is that right there? What is on that right there? Absolutely nothing. It's a clear slate. You know why? Jesus took care of this. God said, this is yours. Everything that was against me, God said, here, this is yours right here. I'll take care of this. This is yours. God is not but finding fault with you. God is not sitting up there pointing fingers at you. God is wanting to, what, embrace you and change you and, my friend, redirect you and wipe your slate clean so you can feel the freedom of being out from under that guilt. Amen. Hallelujah to His name. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Philemon is about new beginnings. Then number four, Jesus is not condemning you. He's interceding for you. Yes. Father, if you receive Scott, receive him as you would me. And when he sees me, he sees Jesus. Robed in his righteousness. Hid in Christ. So identified with him that it's almost like he's seeing the very heart of Christ when he sees me. God is for you. So much he gave his son. God is not finding fault with you and Jesus is not condemning you. He's interceding for you.